Well, we're seeing a full-blown flight to quality coming through in markets as instability in the financials and the banks really see traders rush into the safety of the US dollar, the Japanese yen, and also into US treasuries and defensive areas of the equity market. But with a full-blown repricing that's taken place in the rates market, it's going to make the ECB and the Fed meeting very interesting indeed. Hang on to your hats. This is a headline-driven market. This is The Trade-Off. Well, hi there. I'm Chris Weston, Head of Research here at Pepstone. We're joined in two seconds by Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics. And we're going to be discussing all the factors that's going on in this crazy world of markets. We're all banking analysts these days and how this is flying through into sentiment, into markets. I say that with a pinch of salt and I'm going to bring in the great man, Mr. Blake Morrow. I love the tan. <laughs> I'm loving the tan. Is this, is this like a, a thing that you've done with fake tan just before the ECB meeting because Christine Lagarde? How, yeah, Blake, you're looking, you're looking very, very well indeed. Where have you been? Well, first of all, this isn't uh, this isn't fake, and yes, it was for Christine Lagarde uh, in 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 light of uh, tomorrow's ECB meeting. But uh, yeah, I happen to be in a very sunny place that I did not take sunglasses off, nor did I put sunblock on. So this Where'd you is go? Did you in the Bahamas or I uh, know I was uh, next next door in Las Vegas, Nevada, for a soccer tournament for football. Sorry, excuse me. <laughs> I love football. that. We, we would do anything to get it past the uh, to get past the wife, won't we? Uh, soccer tournament, soccer tournament. <laughs> yeah, that's- that's right. <laughs> what happened to the bank account? Don't mind that. Don't mind yeah, that. Yeah, don't worry. Took the kids out for burgers afterwards. Anyway, <laughs> we could chat all the day long about Vegas. We've got some good stories on that one. But uh, yes. let's go into the markets because there's a lot. There's a lot going on right now. So let's go into Topical Thunder. Sentiment, my dear boy. Well, let's talk about sentiment because right now, as I talked about in the synopsis, we are seeing a full-blown flight to quality. Uh, and that could materially change. Let's see what happens with the ECB and from, yeah, ultimately the Fed meeting next week, which we have to discuss in great depth now because there's yeah, going to be some binary trading opportunities that, that arise as a result of that. But if I have a look at the markets right now, obviously we've seen this big drawdown in, in, in treasuries. We've seen some... out outrageous volatility in the interest rate markets we've just seen you know sofa for the for the june contract this is the secured um, funding markets interest rate tradable markets and and, and they traded in a 107 tick uh, tick tick range at one stage the cme had to actually take them offline for 2 minutes because they traded 50 ticks in in like an hour or so it was just outrageous you know we saw um, 64 basis point range in twos and German bunds have just been absolutely smoked in, in terms of yields going lower price obviously rallying um, you know we saw the VIX trading to 30% we're all watching these kind of liquidity measures and dollar funding measures you know the, a lot of people have said that the banking issues is a storm in a teacup I'm not, I'm not so sure that that's the case um, and I'm pretty cautious about that um, and you know it's definitely a risk that we have to manage so how are you seeing sentiment at the moment are you feeling a bias towards dollars and, and these kind of quality assets at the moment? Well, okay. So first of all, I, I love that uh, storm in a teacup. That's that's a that's a great analogy there. Um, but I, I do want to say that we, I mean, with the move that you saw on, on the short end today, I mean, at one point, uh, 10 year, or uh, excuse me, two, two year yields in the US were up over 10%. Uh, that's telling you something. I mean, you know, you when you say flight to safety, everybody's running towards treasuries, even, even though, 
even though debt might be the issue at hand, everybody still runs the treasuries no matter what. So especially U.S. treasuries, especially the short end, that really suggests that people are worried near term. Uh, the dollar. Yeah, we saw a lot of strength in the dollar because the euro really come, came under pressure as you know, Credit Suisse is a, a, a European problem. A lot of people are wonder, wondering about the exposure around uh, you know, the eurozone that CS might have. Uh, but that the dollar did not see that all the way around. Um, well, we saw the yen strengthen. So the yen, yen strengthened as well against not only the dollar, but it actually strengthened against other currencies. We saw the Swiss franc. Uh, one of my colleagues said it might be some re repatriation flows uh, pulled back towards the end of the day as some headlines came about uh, Credit Suisse. But overall, you're seeing even the safe havens in currencies start to make a move. So I think that warrants attention. You know, I don't think you saw a huge response in the, the Aussie, the Kiwi, the Sterling today, because there were so many Euro crosses getting absolutely destroyed. But that doesn't mean that's going to last. Right, Chris? I just want to say this before we go into the next subject. What's a really interesting thing? We're not seeing that, that outrageous panic. Just sell everything, sell everything. Because what we've actually seen is, 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 is as bond, bond yields have been falling, there's been this rotation in the equity market out of yeah, energy. Obviously, oil was smacked. You know, you've got some charts on that later. We've seen financials, obviously, under pressure. But there's been this rotation into tech. There's been a rotation into utilities, into staples, into com in communication services. So we haven't had that, that you know, chuck the baby out of the bathwater, which is one of the worst sayings ever. But, you know, we haven't had that outrageous sell everything kind of moment or buy treasuries um, because there's been this rotation in the equity market into quality. And that, to me is some sort of a reassuring situation that because bond yields have been falling, people still want to own equity, but the right type of equity. And right now that's long duration assets, tech, um, quality tech, and also, you know, those predictable cash flows in the equity market. That may change if this this banking situation becomes more problematic. But right now there's just some trades that are going on, people moving into those quality areas of the market. Moving or reallocating, I think, is a great way to put it. Sorry, mate. Did so, I use the wrong word? Are you, having a go? Are you telling me off? Sorry. <laughs> well, Chris, you know, I'd like to turn our attention to the next subject, which is about banks. And I'd like you to put your your banking analyst cap on, oh, you know, nice. uh, when you get an opportunity. Where do we get one of those, by the way? <laughs> they are limited edition runs. Sorry, from seven years ago. Regardless, <laughs> regardless, uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about the banking situation, Chris, because uh, when you're discussing banks, you know, what happened in the Silicon Valley Bank, what happened then in Credit Suisse overnight, you know, two separate situations. And, you know, a lot of people point the finger at, uh, you know, SVB that over the weekend, Silicon Valley Bank, about you know, maybe the way it was hedging its 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 exposure or not hedging exposure, if you will, uh, over leveraged in uh, one, you know, uh, how do I want to put it? Uh, one basically asset class, you could put it that way. You know, so they are very heavy one sided. It's kind of just being lopsided. I don't think it was a very well run bank just based on what I've read, you know, from a risk management standpoint. So yeah, you could brush that off. But then today or overnight, uh, you know, you had one of the Saudi banks or biggest backers of Credit Suisse says, hey, basically, we're not funding you money. First of all, I didn't know that they were being funded money because I didn't have my bank analyst cap on. But well, that, I should have. You should have had, had it on in Vegas as well. You get the, uh, the, the suntan <laughs> lines going on. I probably should have. But that. Um, with that being said, you know, when there's smoke, there's fire most of the times, right? So what tipped 
the Saudi bank and the backers off to say, hey, listen, we don't want we don't want to continue to fund. Well, that's uh, easy. Well, then I want you to talk a little <laughs> bit about it because because this is what we worry about, right? As as traders and investors, like, oh my gosh, what's around the corner? So, what are your thoughts here, Chris? Well, right, I think the Saudis they they, they can't they can't fund anymore. They can't increase their position because if they take it any higher, then they get over the 10% threshold and there's regulatory issues that, that take place there. So obviously they don't want to see their equity diluted. They don't want to see the, their position go down, but I don't think they can actually fund the company and, and increase that allocation anymore because of, of regulatory issues coming through. Uh, I think the, the, the thing with Credit Suisse is now they're going to get liquidity um, from the Swiss National Bank. I think that's pretty clear that that's going to have to happen. I think the a lot of people have talked about UBS potentially coming on the bid, but I think the strike price for UBS is, is, is far lower than where we are at the moment. Um, I, I think that the problem is with a lot of these banks, and certainly we saw that from Silicon Valley, is that you know they house a lot of these these assets, these these quality assets, um, in their their HTM portfolio, their held to maturity portfolio, which means that 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 they don't have to mark to market the losses on a real time basis or daily basis, and therefore. Um, you know, you don't know where that's going to be, but also they can't. They're just not allowed in that book to to, to hedge that interest rate exposure. They can hedge their currency risk, um, but that's really kind of where the, mis- the the duration mismatch has taken place. Um, so I think ultimately depositors around the world in, in these banks are going to have to have pay more for that, and I think there's going to be higher regulation that takes place. I think that's where we are. So in Europe with Credit Suisse, everyone's wondering, you know, what happens if these guys fail? What does it mean for the knock-on effects in SocGen? You know, some of the European banks and all the other factors. I think in the US it's a slightly different issue, and I think we're saying there's going to have to be increased regulation that's going to take place and that's going to see a, a you know lower levels of credit being in, installed it's going to be pain on the depositors more more there and that's going to weigh on economics as well and that still needs to feed through so there's still more to play out in this one and we're just watching headlines as we speak on, on a daily basis and Blake that takes us really nicely into the FOMC because you've got a situation now where we've got um, 12 basis points of tightening after this repricing that we talked about in the rates market, we've got 12 basis points being priced for next week's, uh, for this coming meeting, um, which gives you a pretty much a coin toss. So there's going to be some volatility. You know, do they, question to you, just hear me out, do they pause or do they go 25 basis points? So that's the first question to you. I've got another question, so let's keep it brief. Pause or do they go 25 basis points? Uh, uh, they're going to go 25. I agree. I agree. I mean, Larry Summers, he's got his critics, but I think he nailed it for me when he said, uh, if they go, if they go on pause, they're going to send shockwaves that they're genuinely concerned about what they're seeing. And I think the Fed, for me, they they react to what they know. You know, they they know more than what what we do. They've got a million people, you know, PhDs. People are going to confuse, are going to have a go at me about saying that. But uh, you know, they've got <laughs> they they they're in this period of of, of change, right? But I think. Yeah, the, the Fed, for me, they, they react to what they know rather than, than trying to model what, what could be. And this is very difficult to model. So they'd want to see some, you know, some, some fallout from the banking instability before they, before they pause. And that may happen in the May meeting. But for me, they go 25 basis points and say that they're looking at this situation. The second thing, which I think is really, really, really important, Blake, is these dot plot projections. Now, I know the Fed downplay them. Um, but look, what have we got? We've got the Fed funds, or so we've got the swaps market pricing the, the effective rate at 3.86 by the end of next year. By the end of this year, sorry. And we've got the Fed dot plot for currently sitting at 5.12%. That's a massive divergence. The market is saying, you come to us, you come down here, come down to here. I think they're pricing 100 basis points of cuts from the May meeting effectively in the current situation. The market is saying, 
we're going to see the, the the Fed funds rate effective rate at 386 by the end of the year. We've got 512. Something needs to change. If the Fed don't change their dots and bring them much lower at this meeting to where market pricing is, that dollar's going to rally strongly. Um, how how does that, how how are you looking at that situation? Well, and stock, well, stocks are going to stocks are going to come down. We're going to be trading well below thirty eight hundred if that's the case too, and that, and that's unfortunately I I want to I'm going to say this that I agree that the Fed will not stop until inflation is under control. They do not want to send that message, so I hundred percent agree with that that statement, and. The dot plots aren't going to change much because right now you what was it sixty percent chance right now that the Fed doesn't that the market says that the Fed doesn't even that keep rates oh, unchanged. It's basis point, so it's, it's kind of fifty fifty really. So yeah, it's, it's literally. Yeah. What do they get? Get a coin and flip it. They call that a, a coin toss, don't they? Something like sure, that. They, a coin toss. But the, regardless, Chris, I think the market is going to be caught off sides because the Fed mandate of inflation under control is going to be there you know that's what they're gonna that's what they're gonna live and die by i think so unfortunately and eric rosengren eric rosengren the ex-fed member like talked about it last night said that they should go on a pause and and just get a bit more clarity but i don't think the i think i think we're both in agreement i think the fed now are saying the labor market's still too hot okay wages have come down we've seen some calling in the labor market a bit still warrants 25 basis points the moves that we saw on a month-on-month -month basis in core inflation this week, um, especially in, 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 in core inflation ex-shelter, it, it warrants a 25 basis points. And they'd say, I think they're going to do that. So I think yeah, they're, they're going to show the market that they mean boss with inflation. And I think that means the risks are for a stronger dollar. But, yeah, that's the situation. Quick one before we go into, go into gold. ECB, 25 or 50? 25. Ooh. I think I think that's that's this that's that's this saying it's twenty five. I'm gonna go fifty. If I would have been a full like there was no tan lines, I'd say fifty, but there's tan lines, so we're going <laughs> we're going twenty five. Okay, cool. There we go. We got a bit of disagreement. My producer's going to love that. They want they want us to see argue and hate each other. But there you go. I disagree. <laughs> I'm, they're 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 raising rates by a full basis point. Okay, let's uh, let's move it over. <laughs> joking, I'm joking. Uh, let's move it over to gold. Um, you know, the, the reason why I want to talk about gold, whether is it is it shiny gold we're looking at, or is it going to be dull gold that we're looking at, is that I I think that the story is a bit confusing here. And I'm. This is why I'm going to reach out to you, my my gold <laughs> expert. Uh, but you know, I want to know what gold is. Is it an inflation story? Um, is it an inverse dollar story? Is it a safe haven play, or is it a rate story? I mean, or maybe it's maybe a recession play. I think there's so many narratives going on with gold. Gold is kind of stuck in the water. But you know, when when you get an asset class like gold and something that traders like you and I and your everybody listening in here trade it's going to break out of that direction and we're going to we're going to see a surge above 2000 or we're going to see a move back below 1800 and i hear it all over the spectrum and i and i i i'm trying to get a gauge of how to play gold in this environment and i know you could you say well you know i, I guess if things start to you know get worse um you know, gold's going to be a, a, a long play. But what are your thoughts here, Chris, with gold? But I don't want to sit on the fence and get splinters, but I'm a bit neutral on it. And I think there's there's there's, there's cross currents that, that are trying to work itself out. And until we get that situation, it's 
it's difficult. What I will say is it's good for the day traders, right? So you, you just choose your market environment. Um, you're taking those lower time frames and, and you, you're working it. You know, is this a range trading day? Is this a, a mean reverting day? Is it, is, it, is it a trending day? You, you can do that quite well. But as, as someone who's trying to predict where this is going to go, right, you've got the cross currents of, of what's been a, a rapidly falling real rate. Um, you know, the tips have just been falling precipitously. Uh, and that's typically very, very good for gold. But the fact is, is that we've seen real rates just getting absolutely decimated. But gold's you know, found some very, very modest stability on the back of that. Um, I, I would argue that, 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 that move that we've been seeing in real rates should have taken us above 2000. But at the same time, you've got the dollar, which has started to strengthen in a, in a, in a falling real rate environment. Because what we're looking at is, is the difference between US real rates and German real rates and, and other, other countries and, and treasuries. So that's where we are. I think you've got these kind of difference in yields, which are driving the currency markets. And, you know, traditionally, we'd say that that, that that big move down in real rates would be very stabilizing and actually very, very positive for gold. But then we've actually started seeing the reemergence now of the US dollar uh, as a thing as well. So maybe you want to be looking at gold in in in, in a you know, weaker currency like the Australian dollar if you if you're looking to, to buy gold. I think that's probably the trade at the moment. Um, but yeah, obviously that depends now on the on whether the the Aussie can continue. But that's that's the currency we've got: real rates, US dollar. We're not too sure. Yeah, and and Chris, I, I want to agree. And the reason why I wanted to bring this up is I get I I see and I hear so many people getting so attached to their gold story. Well, you can call them a gold bug. You can call them a gold inverse bug. I don't know what that is—an inverse gold bug. But you you have people that are so biased that it, in that type of in this type of environment, it can wreck you when there are so many cross currents. So anyway, I thought we'd talk about that. Tonight. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. So again, we just come down to gold in alternative currencies. If the, if, you, if you like gold because it's you know it's working in this environment and the, and the real rates are going down, then yeah, like you. But buying it in the weakest currencies, the play, the, the play du jour there. Then obviously, yeah, we've got crypto, which has been working really well. I mean, we've seen a bit of sellers recently, but you know, when we've seen gold going up, we've seen crypto going up at a far faster pace. So you know, that's the one that the the traders are liking at the moment as well. So that's an interesting. We'll talk trade. about that in a moment. We'll talk about. It's probably good time. <laughs> let's, let's go straight into it. Let's go to that's a setup. Let's bring up euro dollar. Uh, Euro dollar, uh, we've got this kind of, I want to call it a head and shoulders neckline. We've got this trend that the market just seems to be respecting at the moment. But you can see that sort of horizontal support levels that have come through. Now, for me, um, the primary driver of this, if you want to get funky and fundamental, uh, has been relative rate differentials. And what we look at there, let's say take two-year rates. And if you have a look at two-year, go into trading view and have a look at yeah, the German two-year treasury, um, BKO they call them, um, and look at the and, and put it on a yield basis, and then you subtract the US two-year yield. I think it's a US zero two Y was the code off the memory. And if you just make an equation between the two, what you see is is when German yields are falling at a faster pace than than US Treasury yields, you typically see Euro dollar fall, and that's exactly what we've seen over the last twenty four hours, and it's exactly what I expect to see uh, in the next twenty four hours or going past the ECB. If German yields are falling, it means that rate pricing is coming out of the market more aggressively than what we're seeing in the US, and you're going to see Euro dollar fall. But price action is kind of really all you need to know. This is the aggregation of all behaviours. 
Um, I'm a seller of euro dollar on momentum and through that horizontal resistance uh, support level that we can see uh, just as I was just capping off the market supported there all day. So that's the kind of drivers, obviously the ECB. I'm concerned that, that, that we do get, a, uh, you know, I think the, the good thing about waiting for the, for the move lower is that you've got the ECB. If we get a 25 basis point hike and the ECB say they're conditional going forward um, on purely on data, the market's going to take that as dovish and we're still sellers through there. I'm a seller on that basis there. Um, but I think there's probably some upright risk because I think there's going to be a 50 basis point hike. I haven't given you much time here, Blake, but how are you seeing this? Well, you know, just go back to last week's uh, trade off and I, I'm, I was really looking for the 200 day moving average and we're not too far away from that, are we? So oh, I'm, I'm down, with sorry, you man. on a bearish uh, euro um, call and uh, you're going to be seeing uh, my euro stuff coming up here shortly. So I'm going to say I disagree. That's just for the producer's sake. But really, I do agree. <laughs> no, no, for me, I'm, I'm not bearish. I'm, I, I, want, I want to wait for the close below that horizontal support level, which probably would come on a 25 basis. I don't think a 25 basis point's coming. Um, I think 50 is, and then I'll probably offset that with a conditional saying saying that, that we're purely data dependent, we're purely uh, financial stability de dependent. But if we get that um, through that level, then then it, it doesn't really matter what I think. The market is telling me what they think, uh, and that's probably, that, well, that's arguably more powerful than what I'm believing. Well, speaking of uh, the market telling us what it thinks, let's take a look at crude. And crude got rude today. It was rude crude as it slid through the $70 level. Everybody, everybody and their mothers, brothers, uncles, monkeys. No, mothers, brothers, uncles, sisters, nephews, monkey, pet monkey was buying crude above 70 and it, it crashed through 70 and it hit 127% extension. We broke out of a triangle. There's a triple confluence of support down at uh, 61 and a half, which I think ultimately is going to be the downside. So speaking of the market showing us its direction, you know, in, in a recessionary environment, it looks like we are going straight into a recessionary environment the second half of this year. One of the one of the asset classes that is just going to get kicked to the curb or kicked lower or knocked down lower is going to be crude. So that's my thoughts on crude. What do you think about this chart here, Chris? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, fundamentally, you've got both you've got both sides of the supply demand um, equation working against uh, silver uh, crude at the moment. Uh, we've seen higher supply coming through. Obviously, the perception of demand. If we were to see, um, you know, this banking situation spill over, I mean, this is the, what, what's happening in the banking space. Just to take it back is doing a lot of the heavy lifting, will do a lot of the heavy lifting for the central banks. So higher deposit rates, you know, low, you know, higher regulation coming through, which means we're going to see uh, more conservative lending practices, uh, more reserves being put on the balance sheet. Um, you know, that, that sort of stuff means that the banks are going to do a lot of the heavy lifting and, and crimping demand that central banks don't need to do. And again, that works into the crude story. So we're going to see lower demand. We're going to see weaker economics. But we're actually seeing, we heard it last night, that we're seeing increasing supply as well. And that's why we saw crude trading in a $6.91 range. Uh, copper was weak on the session on the back of that sim similar sort of thematic as well. But yeah, you've got a lot of cross currents working against it. Again, it comes down to the banking space. If you believe this is going to spill over into something much more pronounced, and we've seen that steepening of the of the yield curve, which is what we talked about last week. You know, we saw that radical flattening to the point where, you know, the market's pricked up and then we see that sort of served up. And that's kind of where we are. Now we're seeing that radical steepening. That's usually the point where we get the recessionary situations. So we're all watching the bank. If we are going to get a, a, a recession as a result of what we're saying, I'm not predicting that, but crude will tell us that story themselves, I think. So yeah, it's a great chart and everyone should have crude on their radar. I think it's going to be pretty telling, not just from a supply side, but also from the demand side as well. So that's an interesting one. Blake, I want to get you know, your thoughts on Aussie yen. 
Let's bring up Aussie Yen, please, uh, because we're right at the bottom end of that range. Now, if I have a look at Aussie rates pricing at the moment, we're done. The RBA are not going to raise rates anymore. In fact, we're actually pricing in rate cuts now. So the RBA are done tightening according to market pricing. Um, and that's impacted the Aussie. But what's most important is obviously the, the move that we've been seeing in equity markets, in the S&P and European equity markets, the move down into, into risk assets. And of course, the Aussie dollar works really well in that. So we've got this really big support level that we've been seeing through there. I want to know um, what you're seeing in the Aussie yen. Um, everyone loves the yen in, the, in this time of, of, of lower bond yields. The yen does very well. It val validates the Bank of Japan's stance. Do you like uh, do you like Aussie yen lower here, Blake? I do, and I and I love it below 87. That's that horizontal support that you have, Chris. Look, I, I'm I'm a yen bull, and uh, and and I've been a, a very very loud yen bull publicly over the last couple of weeks when the dollar yen dropped i closed it i've already already re-established my position because when something drops and it's not for the reason that you originally get in for the reason why i'm bullish yen is i'm bullish on the uh corota ueda changeover this next month and uh so i believe that the yen is going to strengthen regardless of what's happening globally but you then then you throw you know fears contagion recession Anything else you want to throw on top of it, that all points to the Aussie and lower. So I would, for me, as a setup, if you're really, you know, short dollar yen or you want to be short dollar yen, this is the kind of place where you start nibbling and on a daily close below 87, you start, you know, getting, you know, getting more aggressively uh, short because this way you'll have a decent cost average on the way down. So I think you're that's right. Yeah, I, I, I think through that 87 level, I mean, again, this is a setup, right? So we're just waiting for that. We're waiting for that break there. The question, of course, you've got two two scenarios. Does it then etch out a new trading range or do we actually start seeing a bear trend playing through? We don't know. Of course, we never know. We don't prophesize. We react. And, and that's the two things we're looking for. If it breaks through that level, we are going to, in my opinion, either establish a new trading range where you can mean revert that trading range uh, or it could start trending low with a momentum move down into that sort of black horizontal level down into 83. So it's a great setup for me. We're just waiting for the trade, wait for the market to push us in there, waiting for that, that new market environment, which we need to react to accordingly. Yes, I, I agree, Chris. And I'm, I'm going to turn your attention to another setup. Well, this, this segment is, that's a setup. This is Bitcoin. Now, I hear the stories that Bitcoin is a safe haven, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, it, it's 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 irrelevant when it, you're talking about the the banking sector, SVB, you know, Credit Suisse, whoever other bank you want to throw at it. That's fine. I'll buy Bitcoin. I'm not a big buyer of that narrative. I you know, I still question. I I, I still question what Bitcoin's role really is, and you can tell the market does too. Technically, we finally broke that massive $25,000 level. I tried to play it on the long side. It didn't work. It closed back below 25. It gave us a false breakout. One of our traders in our community, Nick, uh, a hat tip to Nick, he saw it as a, as a, as a uh, um, you know, megaphone pattern. You got a megaphone pattern, false breakout, that leads to lower prices. So I think this is a setup for a potential short, as long as we stay below 25K. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, it's interesting. I, mean, I think the the the, the crypto uh, um, yeah bulls will probably tell you that you know what we've been seeing over the banking space really validates the need to have block you know off off um, off market you know exchanges and you know and actually hold the the crypto in itself because that's kind of what you're trying to take to, you know crypto take uh, invalidates what we've been seeing in the whole banking space and and validates the need to have crypto as a payment source uh, effectively on the blockchain. 
So I think that's an interesting one. But ultimately, you know, then we've seen some negative news. Signature Bank's gone down and, you know, they look, there's criminal investigations that are being taken place. And again, it's just it's, it's a lot of murky scenes going on at the moment in, in that world that needs to sort itself out. But yeah, from a pure price action perspective, um, yeah, I think there's probably somewhat more downside than there is on the upside at this point at the moment. And yeah, I, like, I do like those patterns as well. They tend to show some good mean reversion. And, and yeah, we probably trade into the mid, midway of that, that range as well. So it's a good setup to, to have there. Obviously, you know, we're getting pretty excited there that we're going to see this, this potential bull run that was playing through. And we're going to see some FOMO capital. It hasn't happened. And that's pretty powerful in itself. So yeah, um, put a gun to my head. I, I, I fancy this coming down to the sort of mid range of that at the moment. So an interesting one. Anyway, let's have a look at the play of the day. Like, I want to talk about volatility. I know it's not really necessarily a play of the day. I think sort of me right now is is this idea about respecting the volatility in the market as well. We talked about it at the beginning of the year, this idea about um, being agile, being um, uh, being um, respectful of the volatility and trading like a ninja. So if we can just bring up the chart of the dollar, I just want to focus on that a second there. So what I think is, is, is interesting now, we are seeing yeah, big volatility, certain rates, bonds. I mean, if you're trading that, then obviously... Yeah, then you're, you know, you're, you're respecting that. We're seeing bigger, larger volatility in the FX market. It's not huge, but we are seeing more pronounced ranges playing through. And in certainly for people who are trading equity indices and crude, yeah, this is where your leverage rate needs to be. How much margin you're putting down on the position needs to be much larger. You know, your position size needs to be smaller. Um, and I think that that needs to be respected. So the way we're seeing in terms of volatility, do I see volatility continuing? Absolutely. This is a headline-driven market. We're watching out for headlines around Credit Suisse, around other banks failing. And that's going to keep the market volatile. What's going to happen to ECB? Did the Fed make a mistake? All these factors keep us volat uh, volatility high. <clears throat> and it means all those factors around your risk management have to be front and centre. If you're getting that wrong, it will hurt you. Now, what am I looking for for the Fed? I do personally believe, and it sounds like Blake does as well, that we're going to get 25 basis points. A lot of people are suggesting we're not going to. I think we get, Fed back, uh, we get 25 basis points. And I also believe that the Fed are not going to come down to market pricing with those dots. And it tells me that the balance of risk for that is a stronger dollar, a sell-off in rates. When do I place that trade? That's going to be the big one. I'll probably do it just before the meeting. Again, trading over news is, for the, is, is either for the foolhardy or it's for the very brave as well. So I'm going to be doing it in very, very small position size. All right. That's, that's, a, that's a good play of the day. My play of the day, Chris, is going to be the Euro Kiwi ahead of the ECB. Um, we just had a really, really poor New Zealand uh, number, GDP number, popped the Euro Kiwi up. I sold in the strength. I actually have a position. So I am talking my book at this point, Chris. And um, as I like to try to play these plays of the day, if they're setting up, but I'm getting aggressive on a breakdown below that ascending trend line, below that 50%, that not 50%, below the trend line, which comes in at 169 uh 70 or so somewhere below there right around just say daily close below 170 it's a bearish event you can start closing below that support i'm going to be targeting the mid 160s so i think the euro kiwi has a lot to come a lot of distance to come down especially on the heels of a very dovish ecb which i believe chris and i happen to be in agreement on this which isn't always the case, but it happens to be the case today. Euro Kiwi, that's my play of the day, and I'm already short. So there we go. Good stuff. Well, I'm still going 50 basis points. I'm not going to have any positions over it, to be honest. So there's no conviction, but it sounds like you do. So fantastic. Good work for you. Uh, we'll see what happens there. But yeah, everyone out there, just good luck with your trading. 
Make sure you're managing that risk accordingly. Make sure you're managing that position size. You're respecting the volatility in the market. Um, and we hope to hear from from you on, on how you're seeing the balance of risk. And I'm sure there's going to be some big bears out there and probably some bulls as well. So let us know how you're trading the market. We always love to, to hear those uh, educated comments that come through. So we'll see you next week for more of The Trade-Off.